This is the Vegas Hockey Podcast. This is Chris Liza. Uh, welcome to this week's show. Uh, we're having a little technical difficulties. We, we expect that to be resolved shortly. So my co-host Mark Warner will be joining us. Got a great uh, show for you today. And uh, we have a brand first-time guest. We we love first-time guests. We love our uh, our great roster of guests that we have, but we're always looking for that next great guest to add to our roster. And I'm I'm probably a little bit biased. I'm uh, friends with this guy, uh, Mr. John Ames, who, uh, along with myself, is a co-host on the Sunday Night uh, Hockey Podcast, the NHL on the Ice, along with my uh, me, uh, John, Brian Yates, and Alan Zorzewski. And that can be seen most seen heard most Sundays at uh, 6 p.m. Eastern time. Um, he's on to talk about the Pittsburgh Penguins as well as uh, the, the Eastern Conference. Uh, me and Mark are going to do our opening face-off, uh, and we're going to talk Capitals, we're going to talk Canadians, we're going to talk a little Buffalo and Arizona in that one, and then we're going to go down the Vegas lane, uh, me and Mark. Unfortunately, due to Dana Ling's crazy schedule, he will not be with us uh, on a weekly basis anymore. We'll still have him on. We'll try to get him on every, let's say, four to six weeks or so, check in with Dana, check in on UNLV and his thoughts on the Golden Knights. But um, So me and Mark are going to go down to Vegas Lane this week. Uh, so the team's off to a very good start. Um, a little controversy regarding all these extra defensemen. Um, so, and then we're going to have John Ames on. So, uh, and we have a number of good shows coming up as well. Next week we have Mark Scheig, uh on, uh, who we've had on numerous times. He's terrific. He writes with Columbus, uh, writes about the Columbus Blue Jackets as the hockey writers. Uh, then the following week. We have the great and one and only Zach Devine talk a little San Jose Sharks and get a little sneak preview of the 2018 draft, which is uh, sizing up to be a really special one. So we'll talk a little draft with uh, uh, Zach, and that's something that uh, the Golden Knights fan should be uh, keeping an eye on. So uh, I'm going to start off here. Uh, Mark, I should, should be joining in the conversation at any moment. Um, I'm going to start off here. Uh, the Capitals had a win last night in New Jersey. It was a costly one, though. Uh, they lost Niskanen. Niskanen was placed on long-term injured reserve. Uh, I think he's going to be out uh, at least, I think I was reading, at least 10 games. Um, you know, when we did our season previews, uh, I, I brought up the fact um, that the Washington Capitals lost a lot of depth this offseason. And it, they really lost a lot of depth on the blue line. I mean, Nate Schmidt went to Vegas. Kevin Shattenkirk signed with the Rangers. Paul Olsener signed with the Canadians. And something that was just a ridiculous strength for, for the Capitals uh, was was really hit hard. Um, they, they were really counting on their top three of Carlson, Niskanen, and Olof, who they signed Olof to an extension uh, a big extension this summer. And with Niskanen now out, they're going to have to rely more on Brooks Olpik, some of the youngsters that they have. And if Niskanen is going to be out for, uh, you know, quite some time, that is something that's going to really hurt them. Um, they, 
Mark, are you there? Yeah. I okay. I love Blog Talk Radio. Okay, great. Everything you, so everything I was, uh, you just said is I, right. I, <laughs> so so we, I just went over the outline for the show as well as what's coming up. And yeah, that was a big that was a big hit for the Capitals. We'll have to, you know, if it's a certain if it's a thing where Niskanen is just going to be out for three weeks, they'll 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 get their they'll get their way through it. But we we talked about this before the season started that uh, this was an area of yeah. concern. They, their depth took a big hit um, uh, in the off season. So uh, uh, I, I specifically uh, point, uh, looked at that, and, and that's an area of concern. But um, so I want to get your opinion about Montreal. Obviously, they're not off to the kind of start that they want to. Uh, they've only scored five goals in four games. Um, they're picking up where they left off in terms of the playoffs of uh, being offensively challenged. Uh, if there's a team out there that, that could make could be aggressive and say, darn it, we have to make a big move now, uh, my, my, my guess would be, be Montreal with, what, what do you think about the, where the Canadians are at? Well, I think this is, again, the something we talked about during our season preview is where's the offense going to come from? And it's no stranger to Canadian nation that that's the question mark going into the last five years or so. We thought uh, – we we questioned whether Radulov was, was maybe mature enough to come back into the NHL, and I thought he did a good job, but they didn't re-sign him. I guess probably salary cap issues or whatever. And – uh Maybe they were thinking that Drew in was going to be a, a nice addition, but maybe, you know, maybe it takes a while to mesh with with the system up there, and you know, putting all your eggs in in that basket as far as who you go and get in the off season. Um, I don't know. I didn't I, when we did our preview. I didn't think they had done enough, and it looks like that's bearing out. The the offense again is a question. You have maybe maybe the best goaltender in the world. Um, there's only a couple people that can make argument to that point. Um, de- defense is adequate. Maybe maybe top 12, 13 in the league. But uh, obviously, I score goals in this league. It's going more and more to an offensive league, and and I don't think they have the roster to skate up and down the ice and and play the offensive game that today's NHL requires. Yeah, it's gonna it's gonna be interesting to me. Obviously, the Canadians. It's always a, you know, uh, there's a lot of expectations every year. And do they, you know, do they get uh, ultra aggressive and maybe even overpay a little bit, you know, to land a Matthew Shane or someone of that ilk? Uh, uh, the thing is, the Canadians are not a team. They really don't have, you know, they're not in a position where. You know they could trade uh, a really talented uh, player off their roster, unless we're talking about Galchenyuk. And then, uh, I mean, that's really selling—not selling him low, but you have to wonder like how much better are you going to be. I know uh, uh, the Habs fans probably would have a different opinion about him. He always seems to be under fire, but they don't really—you know—they they only really had one blue chip prospect, and they traded him. Jonathan Druin uh, this off season, so you know trading unless you know unless we're talking about a Galchenyuk and one of their top uh, prospects or a first round pick, uh, I, I don't see a great fit there. But uh, it's a great fit in terms of uh, the Canadians probably being the team that 
that needs Duchesne more than any other team, uh, any other quality team uh, or potential playoff team in the NHL. But I don't know if they're a great dance partner from a Colorado perspective. We know that Sackett's asking price is, is off the charts. So you, you, you just said it. They don't have really that guy on the roster or two or four or eight guys, whatever whatever Sackett wants this week, um, to uh, pull the deal. I don't see Duchesne going to Montreal simply for that reason. Um, I think I think they're going to be hard-pressed to make any kind of a deal. You're looking to try and add a 20-30 goal scorer, right? I mean, that's what you're in the market for. Well, what did, uh, you know, Ryan Johansson cost Seth Jones? They don't. They don't have that guy, um, right? You know. You know. You know what I mean. Um, to your point, I, I, Matthew Shane is talking two starters and a prospect or a pick, a, a high pick or whatever. You know, whatever it is that that Joe thinks he's going to get for for Duchesne. and I just don't. I don't see Montreal being dance partners. I thought the. I thought your Islanders had a better chance. Um, yeah, the package sure. that they were rumored to have offered that would have been something that would have helped both teams. And there wasn't enough for Sackick. So I, I think he's holding on to Duchesne. I think that time is coming down. I think he's held on to him too long. I think most teams have their roster set. And I think he's made a bet that he's going to have to sleep in. I don't think anybody's pounding on the door to pull Matthew Shane or Gabriel Landeskog out of there at this point in the season. Maybe farther along, closer to the to the trade deadline. Maybe uh, someone takes an injury and they get desperate because they're on the bubble. But right now, I, I just, I mean, I think they're in the same boat as as George McPhee and, and the defenseman that he's trying to unload. Just everybody went moved on and got their roster set, and barring an injury, um, George's hands are tied, and I think I think Sackick's hands are tied too. I don't I don't see that as a as a dance partner for Colorado. Before we go down the uh, the Vegas lane, there, I want to talk a little bit about uh, Buffalo and Arizona. Uh, not that anyone expects them to be world beaters, but both teams probably Oof. were hoping you know, they, that they could, uh, you know, push for a playoff sp- a spot. Maybe uh, surprise a lot of people get one of their uh, spots. Now they're both not in the they're in I'll be kind mediocre division. So if things came together, maybe that was a possibility. Both off to o three and one starts. Buffalo has been outscored I think eighteen to nine. I mean. You know, Mark, both have, you know, talented – both made a number of moves this offseason. Both have a number of talented uh, youngsters. But, uh, you know, I know it's early. It's only a few, four games. But, you know, you don't want this kind of sword uh, falling into ten games and all of a sudden you're looking at a long season. Yeah, well, I'm more I'm more disappointed with Buffalo than I am with uh... – with Arizona, I expected Arizona to continue last season. I didn't. Um, I, I don't expect much from them. I was my my question for them was two years ago they were the up and comers, and then last year they took major steps backwards. And I didn't know if they could if they could rebound and and that you know something's wrong with the culture in Arizona, obviously. Um, so I'm not I'm not surprised. Back to back games against an expansion team. The, they got badly outplayed in both games. The, kind of unfortunate to give up the tying goal in the last minute to Nate Schmidt there against the Knights in Arizona. And then, of course, James Neal in overtime. But uh, badly outplayed in both games. 
be beat handily in the face-off circle, out hit, out shot. Um, so that tells you where Arizona at. Buffalo's a different question for me. I thought Buffalo had had you know Eichel healthy. I thought the goaltending was going to be good enough. Um, I thought the the defense and the young defense were were better than adequate. And I I didn't I didn't see scoring being a problem for that team. Um, that being said, you, they've been outscored 18 to nine, like you said, two to one clip against. They they need to get on track with what they're doing offensively, or yeah, you put the the 20 game mark out there as a benchmark for the Knights, and they need to turn things around in a hurry or by that 20 game marker. It's going to be tough tough sledding there for the Buffalo Sabers, I would say. You know, it's interesting. I was just thinking, Mark, is uh, you know the Coyotes is. You know, are they the, the, the current version of the Oilers a few years ago where you're, like, scratching your head and saying, you know, we have all these talented youngsters. We've been picking at the top of the draft in the last number of years. And, you know, just just by pure talent, you know, you, you think would be, even though they're young, we, we should be a lot more competitive than, than, than they are. And they're just really having a hard yeah. time winning hockey games. And, I almost feel like, you know, it took, you know, Edmonton to win the lottery and land, you know, beyond the generational player and Connor McDavid to kind of get them over the hump. Uh, you know, I, I wonder uh, I wonder if it's going to take that for, for Arizona. Like I said, I'm a big fan of Rick Tockett, and I think he's the kind of right guy for these youngsters. And, you know, maybe because of that, it's going to take a little bit of uh, time. But, um yeah, I'm I'm keeping an eye out on both of those franchises. Buffalo, I I I personally thought they were, you know, okay at best. Would be kind of, uh, you know, a team that maybe can get around 80 points or so. Uh, I don't think they had depth on their blue line, or in terms of secondary scoring. So that's always uh, uh that's always a concern. But yeah, they've had some rough games already. So. Uh, so let's go down the Vegas lane here. Um, let's 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 go. Uh, let's play good cop, bad cop. So uh, or good story, bad story. Let's start with the good. Three and one start, Mark. You can't. You couldn't have. I know they had a tough loss last night. They were up three two, and then Detroit scored four goals in the third. But you couldn't have. Yeah. Had, I mean, James Neal's off to a ridiculous start. Flory's playing really well. Uh, I think March is so scored last night. Couldn't ask for a better start yep. to the season, in my opinion, in the middle of a long home stands here. Uh, the Knights are off to, like I said, uh, a really good start. How, how do you feel uh, about the way the team's playing? Um, the third period last night, notwithstanding, I think they're better than advertised, uh, and will they'll continue to be better there. Do I think they're going to play in a 3 one clip for the whole season? No, obviously not. Watching the team, um, I, I think they are going to be better than advertised. They, their goal from the outset was to put together a fast, offensively as skilled as possible team that was going to push the play, um, get get the puck, get it up the ice, and get in the offensive zone. And they're playing with speed. They have uh, more skill than a lot of people thought they were going to have. Obviously, I don't think James Neal is going to have six goals every four games, but uh, early on here, he's on fire, and and they're riding that. Um, Badly, you know, outplayed in Dallas, 
uh, Flurry kept him in it with a 45-save effort, and Neil was able to come up with two in the third to take a 2-1 game, and I thought that was going to be really what we could look for out of the out of the night this season was a big effort by Flurry, enough offense to stay in the game, and if you're close at the end, you get a chance to win. <clears throat> I still think that, but I think watching the watching the two Arizona games pretty closely, I think you know obviously. They they won both games. I think they have just a better squad and, and a better system in place right now and the personnel to run that system in Arizona. I think I'm I'm sticking with my seventy point prediction for the for the season. I think it's very realistic for them to get to that point. Um a bad third period last night, turnovers, um even even the first goal against last night it kind of set the tone the puck came back to the blue line and i think it was garrison he tried uh just a slap shot it back into the zone and it went under his stick and detroit goes the other way and and scores right away a few minutes into the game and then it was like oh that's uh sometimes game starts like that you don't recover but to their credit they you know they they came back they did take the three two lead t-mobile was rocking and uh they came out in the third period i don't know I don't know what happened in the locker room, but they came out flat in the third period, and Detroit pounced on him, and, and Fleury gave up a couple bad goals. I'm sure he wishes he had a couple of those back. Um, critical point, it was it was 3-3 on, on the power play, and Colin Miller hits the crossbar um, from in the slot. And from really from that point on, it seemed like that gave Detroit a lot of energy, and and they capitalized on it. Fleury, Fleury let in a couple bad ones. They had a couple odd man rushes against, which I – noted was a problem that I was seeing even on even when they were on the power play they were giving up odd man rushes against in the preseason and I kind of thought that that was something that needed to be addressed and it seems like that may still be something that they have in their bag they need to get rid of but like like you said if, if you take three three and one um to, out of the gate you're going to take that every time especially uh you know what the city went through and and the the opening night game changing from really just a celebration of hockey in Las Vegas to something entirely different. And uh, the boys responded, you know, spectacularly in that game, I will say. Um, Unreal how that went down. And my thoughts through that game were this is kind of like when the Saints came back to the Superdome after Katrina or, you know, when George Bush threw out the first pitch at at Yankee Stadium after 9-11. Sometimes sports can be, uh, uh, you know, just a return to normalcy, if you will. And I thought the Golden Knights did it did it with their pregame, and and the way the players responded in that game, I give full marks to to going through what we went through here in Las Vegas, and to respond the way that the organization did in the community and as well as on the ice. Um, fantastic job to the Knights, full marks in my opinion, and and. You know what? Maybe they were due for a letdown game after the emotions that played into that home opener. And so maybe we just wrap that Detroit game up, put it put it in the pocket, and move on. That's uh, that's how I'm looking yeah. at that. They it looked to me it looked to me like they ran out of steam there in the third period, started getting a little sloppy with their play, and they paid for it. And being an expansion team with what they have on the roster, that's not something this team can afford to do. Yeah, two things jump out at me. You mentioned James Neal, obviously six goals and. Four games, but keep in mind, this is a guy who's on his walk year. There's a lot of stake for him. Yeah. You know, if he can put up a big year, he can do very well in free agency. He's played on 
hundred percent. He's won the cup with Pitts. He's won the cup with Pittsburgh. He got to the cup with uh, Nashville. Those are guys played in big games. So uh, there would be a lot of interest in him, to say the least. Um, so uh, he's going to have keep a mind too. That guy's got to be. Yeah, he's got to have a big chip on his shoulder for being exposed as well, right? I'm sure he came out here and, and keep in mind also he didn't play. He didn't play a minute in the preseason. He didn't even start dressing for full contact practice until I think it was two days before the season opened. <laughs> Excuse me. So, right. I mean, you look. You look well, you that also brings up an interesting thing. If the if the Knights play, uh, if they're going to want to playing a little bit better than all of us anticipate, and let's say instead of come the new year. They're a team that's fun and they're giving the city a lot of excitement, but it's clear that, you know, they're not going to be anywhere near the playoffs versus being in that quote-unquote playoff bubble, if you will, uh, you know, and having a shot. What do they do at the trade deadline? Right. You know, know, I still think McPhee's going to look at the big picture, uh, uh, you know, in terms of that, but that that could be, you know, an interesting dilemma for the franchise to have. You know, and now let's get to the, sure. the, the 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 bad part, and that is, like you've mentioned it in the in the opening, you know, these extra defensemen uh, that they're carrying and not playing, and it's guys an like Alex Tuck and Shipashov, and you have Shea uh, Theodore, uh, Shea Theodore, who all should be here. I mean, how you know we said last week, you know what, if this, this is a few games. And, you know, at the end of the day, George can get a couple of draft picks out of, out of it. Okay. But at a certain point, you got you got to scream uncle. And, you know, yeah, uh, yeah. to me, we're you getting to that out, right? point. I mean, right. I mean, I, I mean, at the end of the day, Mark, I mean, what is he going to get for John Merrill and Griffin Reinhardt? I mean, he's going to get, what, six round picks? And which is fine. I mean, grab those. Uh, you never know. We talked about this last week. But if the market is, you know what, we're not really giving, you know, we're not giving up anything because draft picks are gold, uh, which, you know, a lot of people feel they're not the only ones who are trying to build an organization. You know what? you got to put them on waivers, and if they get claimed, they get claimed. Look, they, you know, for yeah. the less, for, you know, they took the risk. When they put their team together and saw that they were taking all these defensemen, they – they should have realized of, hey, you know, only one or two of these have, you know, we can send to the AHL and not worry about waivers. Yeah. And then the one or two were guys like Theodore and, and Shippershoff, and you're like, we don't want to send those guys down. But that's what they're doing here. So uh, he, he's got he's to he's pull the Band-Aid. And I'll be honest with you, um, you know, in today's salary cap, it's not just from a salary cap perspective. You know, keep in mind if a team claims somebody, that they have to put them on their twenty on their active roster. So that might be a problem for them, right. just as it's a problem for the the Golden Knights. And even a team struggling uh, to find uh, struggling on defense, you know, at best these guys are six defensemen. So maybe they'll clear waivers. For sure, you could add Lucas Pita into that that. Uh makes too, although it seems like he's dressed him. Right. He hasn't played well. Well, not not terribly. He's he's on the third third and and he has to his credit, he has been dressed in every game. So 
it's not like it, you know, Reinhardt or, or Brad Hunt or whatever are, are kicking you know, the, the door in I... to, get, to take his spot. Keep in mind, Mark, though, a guy like that, if he can be playing pretty good come January or February, and he's, a, you know, a guy who's been in the league for the last number of years. I mean, look at Detroit. They got a second and third round pick from the Rangers last year for Brendan Smith, who, you know, let's say is, I'll be, let's say is a really good third pairing kind of defenseman guy. So a guy like that, I would hold on. I wouldn't just dump right now because if he's playing well, there's there's, there's only so many defensemen, believe it or not, who are going to be on the market at the trade time. So someone like that, you could actually do pretty good on. Uh, but guys like Merrill and Griffin Reinhardt, uh, at this point in time, and especially with them not playing, uh, no, that's 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 not the case. Of, uh, not the case at all. So before we bring our guests, no, I, I, I agree with that. I agree with that. Well, let's get uh, into the the Shipichov thing here. I had a oh, okay, yeah. You know, when they sent him when they sent him down, he uh, has yet to report to the Chicago Wolves. You know, it came out that he was either asking to be released and go back to KHL. He wanted to play for Russia in oh. the Olympics. Then he kind of backed off of that. And now the rumor is that he's asking to be traded. And I'm seeing just insane trade scenarios thrown out. Well, if the Rangers can talk Vegas into holding half his salary and not taking anything in return, then he could be a great oh. fit on the Rangers. S- settle down, yeah. people. Settle down. Here, Stevie. He George needs to take the Stevie Y approach that Steve Eiserman did with Jonathan Drew when he refused to report to the AHL and say, fine, kid, you signed our contract. You knew you knew what the, the writing on the wall was here. And it, until you report and show up in Chicago, you're never going to sniff the NHL. We have you for two years. Um, I, don't, I don't like the guy who's never played in the NHL before, uh, not reporting when he's told to report. Um, the other two guys, Shane Theodore has a case where he's – performed in the National Hockey League in the playoffs at a at a great you know, at a above average level and he showed up, put his skates on and went to work. Alex Tuck, same thing. So right now if you wanted to put like you said, let's say we just put Merrill and Reinhardt on waivers right now. Let's say they clear, let's say they don't. That's two roster spots. I say you take bring Tuck up, you bring Theodore up and until Chipachoff uh, decides to report and and be a part of the team and not part of the problem, he can sit. I'm not, uh, you know, a while ago and it kind of went away. But in the eight, in the 90s and early 2000s, there was always the question of whether you could sign a Russian, and and whether if things didn't work out, they would bolt right back to the KHL. And that thinking kind of went away. But it's always in the back of my mind when you when you put your eggs in a in a Russian basket, there's a good chance they're going to get scrambled. And and I, I say I, I say for me, go ahead. I agree with everything you had to have to say. I will put a but That's, in there. And don't get me wrong, no matter what, even though I, I think uh, he should show up no matter what. Let me preface that. But what? Uh, sending him down, uh, that, you know, for la- I mean, it's one thing if he was just so overmatched and he shouldn't be in the NHL right now, which isn't the case. I, I, if I was him, I would be beyond the Neither was basically, Yeah, yeah. Basically, I'm in the NHL because, you know, they, they, they're having, you know, uh, they're having an issue with Boxing. their roster or what whatnot. But having said that, 
he should show, like you said, he should be show up. Uh, you know, so so in fairness to him, I don't think he's doing the right thing, by the way. But in fairness to him, it's not like he created this this situation and this problem. It's not like he threw in who's this young prospect or you know whatnot. Um, they they signed him to a nice two year deal to be part of uh, the core of this team, and now because they're in a roster crunch. You know, they send him down. Having said that, he signed the contract. When you sign the contract, you know, uh, honor the contract. Despite what they, despite what they tell you, you know, they do have they do have uh, uh, the rights to do these kind of things. So uh, that will be a story. Well, see, the uh, other thing, the continue. other thing is, Chris, uh, the the guy isn't a twenty year old kid. He's thirty years old. You got to show a little maturity. Right. You got to show a little professionalism. You got to, you got to, you know, they sat in the office and through a translator or whatever, George told him, you're going to be back up as soon as we get a roster spot. This isn't going to be permanent. You go down because it's a business and here's why you're being sent down. It's not because we're sour. You, you know that George explained the situation to him and you know that he understood the situation. You got to put your ego aside. You got to be mature. You got to be professional. You got to show up to work. Um, and that's, that's it. You, you don't uh, you don't fail to show up. You don't say I'm going to the KHL. You don't ask to be traded. You do it. You you, you got four and a half million dollars coming, nine million over two years. Be a professional. Take a week or two in the in the in the K or in the A. I'm sorry, and uh, show up to work. Don't pout. Don't be a grump. Listen to your coaches. You still have a lot to learn about playing in the NHL and the North American game, and and get your butt to work. And that's that's I think I think you bring Tuck and Theodore back before you bring him back, just just because. All right, so why don't we bring on our our guest? Uh, I believe sure. he's on the line, and that and that is Mr. John Ames, who's the who I am a co-host with him on the NHL on the Ice podcast. You can find I I don't know I, I'll let him promote his Twitter because he's he's got two or three of them, so I I don't know which is the right one. So. Uh, and we'll bring him on to talk Penguins and a little bit of the Eastern Conference. John, how are we doing out there in uh, out there in Oregon? I am doing absolutely well, Chris. How are you guys doing? I'm doing good. We're so doing which good, Twitter is it? Is it the big orange one or is it the NHL on the ice Twitter? You can use either one of them. Um, yeah, yeah, exactly. You can use both the NHL on the ice one, uh, NHL on the ice aims. That's the one I use for, you know, obviously our hockey podcast, the big Orange John sports uh, kind of came about uh, as a nickname from Brian Yates when he and I actually met face to face in Vegas here a few months back. Um, and that's the one that I just talk all of my sports on. So either handle you can find me on, um, you know, I'll follow back and, and, you know, talk with you, converse with you on, on either handle. So it doesn't matter. So, John, what have you seen from the Penguins so far? Obviously, it's early, kind of an up-and-down start, having had an easy schedule. You know, what have you seen so far? And big picture, what concerns you about them? Well, you know, what I'm seeing so far is I, I was concerned going into the season with um, not necessarily the starting goaltending but the backup goaltending um, with the fact that, you know, they brought in Antiniemi. I wasn't totally sold on him being the backup. I know he's got a, a Stanley Cup pedigree being with Chicago. 
Oh, I know he's been around. Yeah, a long time ago. And, you know, I was really, I was really shaky on that move. Um, I I think the biggest things that I'm seeing right now early is I'm, I'm concerned with the blue line. I'm concerned with the backup goaltending and, you know, let's face it. This is a team that has had a deep playoff run the last two years. And, you know, you guys well know as, as well as I do that there is going to come a time, a point in time that, that this team is just going to tire out. That is just the nature of it. I mean, it, it doesn't matter how great of a team that you are. I do think the Penguins are going to be a, a huge contender in the East. However, how far they're going to go, I think, they've played a lot of hockey. I mean, you look at the last two seasons, they've played a ton of hockey. And, and going as deep as they have, you know, you look at those Stanley Cup finals, both of the finals against San Jose and Nashville, those were not short series. Those, those series went six games. So yep. I think the biggest obstacle for the Penguins going forward really is going to be, you know, not necessarily schedule, but just the fact of how many games that they've played. That, I think, is going to be their biggest enemy. But I am concerned with the goaltending as far as the backup goaltending because – and, you know, you look at Matt Murray, and really if we, if we really want to look at it, this is the first season that this is really all Matt Murray's job. You know, I mean, he's had the timeshare with Mark Andre uh, the last few seasons, and I know he got hurt last year. And Mark Andre came in, and look, Mark Andre played in the playoffs those first few rounds and was just lights out. So I mean, yep. it's not it's not a timeshare anymore for for Murray. You know, this is his show, and we're going to see how all of that. You know, if there's any pressure with that you know, that, that comes. Well, I've always thought that, um, obviously there is a big difference between being, being the guy that everybody wants to be the starter and being the starter. And I look at the situation that Vasilevsky and, and Pickett did in Tampa Bay the last three seasons, really, where Vasilevsky even got in for some playoff games, uh, looked pretty good. But now they're, they're kind of, you know, there's a real similarity between well, Vasilevsky and Murray right now being the young up-and-comers. And, you know, this is your show. And it's going to be interesting to see as the season plays out on both those those goaltenders. So, uh, you, you mentioned him, and that Stanley Cup was a long time ago. We saw that when he was pressed into action in Dallas, things, that situation with, with uh, Dallas was, was really a mess. When, I think it was 11 or $11 million in a cap Keep an eye on that might fill some of the voids in the players that departed. 
Well, you know, you, you, you look at this, at the turnover, and I'll say this much. The, the turnover really has not concerned me because the biggest thing that the Penguins have, and over, I would say probably over the last three years or so, and, and maybe since Jim Rutherford really has come in, and, and I was shaky on Jim Rutherford coming in as a GM, but I will say this much about Jim Rutherford. He has built depth with this club. And it's it's funny because when I look, and you know, you mentioned the, the first line and you mentioned the turnover, I look at this team and it's like, wow, you know, there's a lot of interchangeable parts here. I think Jake Gunsel is the real deal. Um, I like what this kid brings to the table. You look at how he was in the postseason last year. Um, and, and to me, watching him in the postseason – and even in the in the season last year when he came up with the Penguins, I mean, this kid can handle the pressure. So I, I like the fact that he's he's on that line, you know, with Crosby. I think another guy to look at is Connor Sheary. Connor Sheary's kind of been up and down. Um, I think he's trying to find his his you know place and everything, but I think he will be okay. Um, but the one thing that has impressed me with this Penguins team uh, has been, you know, their their depth overall, they've, they've been able to bring in a lot of parts and pieces and just interchange them and really not miss a beat. Um, that's been the story over the last few seasons. So, you know, I, I think that that's going to continue to ring true as we go throughout the year. I mean, they've got some kids down at Wilkes-Barre, Daniel Sprong being one of them. They're really high on him. Um, he's probably a, another kid like a, a Jake Gensel. Um, I think he will end up coming up. They've had him up. He's had a, a cup of coffee with the Penguins in seasons past. Um, and he'll probably look, I, would, I wouldn't be surprised if he's up with the club sometime at the end of this year, maybe beginning of next year. Um, but that's another interchangeable part that they have. And, you know, you look down at Wilkes-Barre as well. They're goaltending. They've got a young kid with Tristan Jerry. I don't know if he's quite ready to come up yet. Um, but I would not be surprised if later in the season, maybe before the postseason, if they got him a little bit of action, got him some playing time to get him up so that he could back up Matt Murray. Hey, John, it's Chris again. So I got a couple for you here. So come January, come the new year, what do you mm-hmm. think is going to be a higher priority for Rutherford in terms of the trade market? Will he be looking at, you know, a rental goalie like an Anthony Ratna or from Arizona or will be or do you think will be that, you know, veteran defenseman like this year's version of Ron Hainsey? Well, you know, it, it's it's interesting that you say that and, and I think if if really if Jim Rutherford looks at it, I think there's a possibility that he could look at both. And and I say that because if you if you look at, at how Rutherford has done things he really is always looking to make that hockey club better. That, that's been his biggest goal throughout, and, and very different than when Ray Shiro was there. He has done that. He's come in. Um, they've drafted well. They've built that minor league roster up really well. I could see him going either way. I think really the, the blue line to me is a, is a bigger priority just because you look at their blue line from a year ago and you look at how many people were injured. I mean, Chris Letang being the biggest one. You know, will a Tang be able to stick it out a full season without being injured? You know, so I think it's going to depend really on where the Penguins are at in the standings. 
um, as to, to what they're looking to target. I think from a forward standpoint, they're good. Uh, but I could really see that blue line being a priority. But if that backup goaltending doesn't shore up, I could see that being a priority as well. Now, John, you know the Eastern Conference very well. Um, who, besides the Penguins, obviously, the defend, two-time defending champs, who who would you say, who do you have your eye on in terms of, you know, uh, the other contenders? And do you have a, like, and do you have a sleeper from the standpoint, if I, if I told you uh, there's going to be an, another, another Ottawa Senators in the Eastern Conference final this year, do you have a team? Well, you know, I, a team that I, if I had to pick a sleeper team, Chris, I would say I, I really like the Toronto Maple Leafs. And maybe they're not that much of a sleeper. But they could be looked at that because of the youth of that squad. Um, this is a team that took the Washington Capitals to seven games in the first round of last year's playoffs. And when you look at that, that brings a lot of growth along with that. So if I had to pick a sleeper team, I like the Toronto Maple Leafs. I could see the, the Maple Leafs making some noise and getting pretty far. Uh, but a team that I'm really looking at that I think uh, is ready to come to that next level and – you know, they keep running into the Penguins in the in the first round of the playoffs is the Columbus Blue Jackets. Um, I, I like the Columbus Blue Jackets with how they built that team. You know, you've got John Tortorella behind the bench. Um, and this was a team that last season gave the Penguins a lot of fits. So, you know, I, I like Columbus. I, I think they're a team that's ready to kind of get to that next level. But they've got to find a way to get past the Penguins and really – there could be no better year than this season for that because of all of the hockey that the Penguins have played. Now that makes a lot of, that, right, that talk, makes a lot of sense. We're, for sure. we're talking with John Ames on the Vegas hockey podcast, going through a little Penguins, a little Eastern conference hockey talk. Um, I did want to get your take since this is the Vegas hockey podcast on, we were talking a little earlier in the show and I think you may have, excuse me, heard me. Um, what do you make of the Vegas Golden Knights and, and the start they've gotten off to under some of the circumstances that we've gone through here in Vegas? And uh, I think they're above the bar right now, but I just get your impressions on uh, on the Vegas Golden Knights. Well, you know, one thing that I will say, I was very impressed with how this team was put together. Um, I, I think – you know, versus any other expansion team in the league's history. If if I look at Vegas, they were put together differently in the sense that there's a lot of good parts to the hockey team. I mean, getting a Marc-Andre Fleury in goal, he's going to steal a lot of games for the Golden Knights this year. I mean, I, he's going to yeah. keep the Golden Knights in a lot of games. I'm going to say that much. You bring in a guy like a James Neal. I mean, Neal and Fleury were teammates in Pittsburgh together once upon a time. Um, they've played in big games together. They've played in big games in their career. I think that that was big. And, and really, you know, when I look at the Vegas Golden Knights with how George McPhee put this team together, I mean, I can see them having a, a, a fairly good season and not being one of those, you know, where we look at an expansion team and it's, you know, oh, they're just an expansion team. You know, they're, they're going to be terrible. Or I don't think that's going to be for Vegas. Um, as far as with the things that have transpired in Vegas and how this team has gotten off to, to a start, I think it's great. I think it's great for the community down there in Las Vegas. Um, I got to go to Vegas the, for the first time back in May, 
and see T-Mobile Arena. I didn't get to go inside it, but I really, really loved it down there. Um, you know, I could, I could probably see myself living outside of Vegas sometime in the future whenever I retire from my real job. A great but city. It is. And, and you know city. what? I, you know, I, I got off the plane. You know, we went down there to celebrate my birthday, and, and uh, my wife and I went down there. And for me, it's only a two-and-a-half-hour flight because I'm outside of Portland, Oregon. And I just fell in love with it down there. The weather, just, you know, everything about it. And I was wondering, you know, how is hockey going to take in Vegas? I will be honest, very skeptical about that, but I see that it's working. And you have a lot of fan engagement. Um, you know, the, the people really embrace this team. I think under the circumstances that have happened and with how the Golden Knights have gotten out to really a great start, I think it's great for the community down there, great for the city, for the fans, because you know what? It's giving them something to think about that isn't doom and gloom. I mean, let's face it. We hear all, that's all we hear on, on the news, in the newspapers, on TV. That's all we see anymore these days. And with this team yeah. getting out to the start that they have gotten out to, um, I, I think it's a great thing. And, and really, I was sitting here the other night talking to my wife because, you know, my wife is, is a rare uh, female who is a, a diehard hockey fan. And we were talking about the Vegas Golden Knights. And I was like, man, you know, look at, look at the start that they're off to. And, and we've even thought about trying to get down there to uh, see them play when the Penguins come to town. So, um, but I, I think go. it's good. I, I, I think it's really good, and I'm very impressed with the team. And you know what? George McPhee is going to build a winner down there in Vegas. He's done it with the Washington Capitals. Um, and, you know, twice. if you look at yeah. – exactly. You know, and, and so I twice? see the same thing. Yeah, I see the same thing happening with Vegas. I, I, would give, I would give this team, you know, a few years, and you know what? They're going to be a playoff team. There's, there's no doubt in my mind. I, I think they're off to a great start right now um, from with how the roster was put together to just, you know, everything in between. And, and uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm glad for the city, for the community, and, and you know, it's, it's great to see. You know, John, I can't think of anybody better to ask his, uh, his or her opinion on this. And, you know, I think that the Knights and George McPhee are going to have uh, an interesting dilemma come near the trade deadline. And we've already seen the start that James Neal is off to, uh, six goals. You have seen him play a lot, especially in Pittsburgh against the Penguins last year. You know he's a guy who can easily score 30 goals a year. But, you know, with the – you know, the the Knights are really more about, you know, the future than the next year or two. Mm-hmm. Um, he would be a very sought-after uh, player at the trade deadline, and I don't think his cap hit is crazy. I think it's around $4 million or so. So uh, there will be a lot of teams interested in, in him, and I would think that Vegas could do very well if they mm-hmm. move him. If George McPhee called you and said, John, what do you think? Should I move him? I can get these two really good chips being a, a top pick and a, or a first-round pick and a top prospect, or should I lock him up long-term? What would your advice be? Well, you know, here's the thing. You said it best, Chris, that, that this team is building for the future. And, look, James Neal, is go- he, he's, he's going to probably steal a few games uh, with his skill there in Vegas. But I would not be surprised if he was dealt for the simple fact that there is going to be a team out there that wants 
a guy like a James Neal to perform in the playoffs, you know, and, and if a team is willing to pay that price, um, then I, I think George McPhee will pull the trigger on that deal now, but at the same time too, I think a lot of it's going to depend on exactly, okay, where are the golden Knights in the standings? You know, how are they doing? If, if this team is competing, and, and, you know, I know that this is a little premature, but just say that this team was, was knocking on the door for the playoffs, okay? Uh, does, does he go and deal a guy like a James Neal? I, I don't know if he pulls that trigger. Um, so I, I think it's going to – I think we're going to have to see where they're at standings-wise. And, you know, if, if McPhee really wants to build for the future – then he's going to find a trade partner to deal Neil and, and get back something uh, that's going to pay dividends for the Golden Knights and, you know, pay dividends for the long term. you got to, you got to expect that's going to be a touchdown for the communities the way he's off to a start right now. But hopefully everyone does understand that, that it is right now. A little muffled there, Mark. Um, Anyway, we are up against it here. Uh, we're going to have to let you go, John. Thank you for spending some of your Saturday with us, uh, and, and your insight is, is very appreciated, sir. Absolutely, before let, John. Before we let you go, John, why don't you uh, give a shout-out there, tell everyone where they can find the NHL on the Ice podcast, your, your Twitter handles, all that good stuff. Yeah, guys, join us Sunday night, 6 p.m. Eastern to 8 p.m. Eastern, NHL on the Ice podcast, myself, Christopher Liza, uh, Brian Yates, and Alan Slaughterzinski. We talk all kinds of hockey. Um, it's, a great, it's a great show. We have a lot of fun with it. You can find our, our show page on Facebook at NHL on the Ice podcast. You can follow me on Twitter at NHL on the Ice Ames or at Big Sports, which is big, the orange is O-R-N-G on sports on Twitter. Um, and we're also on WBLZ Media now. Um, you can find us on WBLZ Media. They have their own uh, free, as well as we're on TuneIn Radio, FanSpeak Radio Network. So there's various ways, iTunes, you can find us. So check us out. Sounds great. All right, John. Yeah, we'll definitely have you back on probably mid-season, talk pens and Eastern Conference again. And, uh, uh, who knows? Maybe the Penguins will have a trade done by then. Absolutely, guys. I would love to come back. Uh, it, was, it was great coming on. Thanks for having me. Thanks, John. All right. John Ames from the NHL on the Ice podcast. Uh, a guy Chris knows, knows well from co-hosting duties on that show as well as this show. Uh, what do you think, Chris? Yeah, no, I, I think, uh, he, you know, John's a, good, a real good Penguin fan. He knows the team inside and out, and and he's right. Jim Rutherford is very aggressive. Um, you know, he had to get his salary cap to a certain position on for opening night, but that doesn't mean that's where it's going to finish. You know, he might have said, you know, uh, for opening night, I'm fine with Niami being my backup, but that doesn't mean with, you know, at, at the uh, – 60 uh, at the 50 game mark, uh, he's not going to make an adjustment or not pick up a veteran defenseman. I mean, that's that's what they've done uh, the last couple of years, and they've they've plugged in. You know, again, we're not talking about trading for superstars. We're we're trading for guys who can contribute. So, I think Ranta, 
who has a small cap number. I think it's like one and a half. So uh, I think he, if Arizona is not in the mix, he would be a perfect guy for them to uh, to rent. And like I said, uh, I'm sure, you know, who knows? Maybe they'd be a good fit with the Knights in terms of trying to uh, getting one of their defensemen if there's a guy out there uh, who's going to be a free agent for the Knights that they feel like would fit their system well. So, uh, uh, you know, those are a couple of possibilities uh, as well. For sure, for sure. Well, we got to wrap this episode up. Uh, make sure you look for us on Grandstand Sports Network, Russ Cohen Sportsology SoundCloud page. You can find us on our own SoundCloud page, uh, thehockeywriters.com. Uh, we're all over the place out there. So uh, look us up on Twitter, at Vegas Hockey Pod. Uh, give us a follow. Uh, we're on iTunes as well. Um, I just want to give one Russ quick... And, and, Go ahead. Yeah, no, I just want to give one quick shout-out. Yeah, obviously, shout-out to Grandstand Sports with Chad Dominguez and, and Russ Cohen at Sportsology. They, those guys are really helping us promoting the show. Uh, they, you know, our latest stats, I want to give a shout-out to our top three foreign countries, and that's the uh, U.K., Sweden, and Hong Kong. So, uh, Hong Kong yeah, is a good place. Hong Kong I have a friend out in Hong Kong. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I have a friend out in Hong Kong, so I wonder if uh, it was a big – He's from Long Island, New York, and he moved out there a while ago. So I wonder if uh, he he went back in there and listened to some uh, some of the shows or whatnot and uh, passing the word around. Nice, very nice, very nice. Yeah. So next next week, um, we I believe we still have some work to do on next week's show. Yeah, we, we have, have Mark uh, Strike. Do we have next that week. set up yet? We got Mark Strike. Yeah, 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 we have Mark Strike. Yeah, All right. Yep. Yeah, yep. Yeah. Okay, we'll tune in next week at 11 o'clock on Saturday for Mark Scheig and more Vegas Golden Knights talk. Uh, we, we always appreciate your emails and, and tweet at us whenever you get the opportunity. Uh, we try to get back to you as soon as we can, and it's always great to see the emails and the tweets coming our way. So uh, click it, share it, and, and let us know you're out there. For, so for this week, we're all done. For Chris, I'm Mark, and we're gone. Thank you.